And welcome to the Happy Hour. The always fun, semi-informative, always relevant, and slightly irreverent Happy Hour talk show presented by App Growth Summit. So whether you're on your way to work, winding down after work, or you're bored at work, pop in an episode and take a quick shot of the Happy Hour. Whoop, whoop. Okay, so we are here. I am Louis Tangy, the Managing Director and Founder of App Growth Summit. Who are you? I'm Kehlani Ampich Curtis, the Marketing Specialist at App Growth Summit. And who's with us? <laughs> We're joined by the legendary Lior Barack? Barack? Barack. Like Barack Obama. Barack. You know, I'm very famous Perfect. in the US, okay. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> We are joined by the legendary Lior Barak, founder of Tale About Data. Or as he likes to say, Tale About Data. Data. <laughs> it's data, guys. You're doing it wrong, you Americans. Yeah. That language. <laughs> you don't want to piss off an Israeli or show you what Krav Maga skills he has in a groin kick. <laughs> Krav Maga. All right, cool. So Lior has been a, a regular speaker with us. He's written some content. I've been on his podcast. He's now on ours. It's it's a veritable love fest here. It's a full circle moment. <laughs> oh, yes. And the thing everyone knows about Lior is his love for hummus. You're doing it so nicely. It's hummus. Do it. Hummus. Like, shoot it. Hummus. No, like, like you're shooting an M16. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, hummus and heavy assault weaponry. We're already yeah. off to an amazing start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to Leo's world. And in reality, though, he goes out to his garden in a nice button-down shirt and and gardens tomatoes and things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that's yes. the way to do it. Lior um, definitely has the most envy-worthy garden in the mobile industry. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And if someone disputes that, then come see Lior and take a... <laughs> yes, pictures where it didn't happen. Oh, definitely. Come see Lior after he uh, mentioned his his whatever gun that was. <laughs> yeah, he's willing to throw down for that garden, I bet. <laughs> so what are you growing right now in your garden? Actually, we just put chickpeas for the hummus. Uh, no, not yet. We cannot do it in Germany. It's too cold. Uh, we getting some nice tomatoes, some nice uh, chilies coming in, paprikas, zucchinis this year. We're going to try some interesting uh, melons and watermelons and uh, strawberries as always, blueberries, raspberries. You just name it, you know. We, we're just adding it. Each year we... We're topping up our game a little bit more. We started with just tomatoes. Suddenly we had chilies. Then we continue to have some melons. Let's see. Last year, although some bastards stole my melon, and until today, I don't know who it was. It arrived to the perfect size. It was ready to be eaten, and somebody took it away. I think it was your neighbor who saw you in the button-down shirt <laughs> out there gardening. Oh, my gosh. Definitely. Yeah. And they just thought, oh, he's a nice guy. He's a gardener. He's, yeah, I'll just take this melon. You should go out there um, like uh, <laughs> in a military shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have here some military shirt. Maybe this is the next step to do. <laughs> right now, right? And the silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just go out there in an IDF shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Wearing a shirt that says, like, I love fraud. And then, or, uh, <laughs> or that's a different IDFA, <laughs> IDF, IDFA. What's the difference? <laughs> it's all the same. Yeah. So how's it going, guys? It's going amazing. I should. We should have had hummus here for you. 
Uh, but we did not. <sighs> you hear my disappointment? But I'm very I am, disappointed. Leo's a fun guy. He likes to talk a lot to data, and he likes to do podcasts and joke around with me on Skype, at least. But besides all that, what is the most fun part of your entire job? I would say going to organizations and crushing their thinking about data and rebuilding it with only three KPIs that everybody's sitting there in the room and say like, who the hell this idiot is thinking that he can do that? And then coming back after six months and asking them, hey, how it went? And they're like, oh, that was actually quite good. We managed to make a lot of decisions based on it. And that's the fun part of, of, of my work, I would say. To take it and create hummus from the data that they have, you know, not only write <laughs> books about it. <laughs> yeah, he did write a book. Data is like a plate of hummus. <laughs> I could try to say it as close to a Lior as possible. Data is like a plate of hummus. There we go. It's a <laughs> yeah. very specific accent. No one can say it quite like he does. Yeah, nobody. Nobody in the world. <laughs> I'm special. I know I'm special. Yeah, it, it ju- just tap my shoulder a little bit longer. Can you? Huh? Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us something about you besides the gardening uh, that people don't know. Well, I moved to Germany eight years ago. Uh, I'm coming originally from Israel. Uh, if you cannot hear it from the accent, which most people <laughs> think I'm French somehow, or then the second option is Spanish, never Israeli. I'm growing a lot of veggies. That's something that I'm really enjoying. Uh, I have two kids that 15 months in lockdown at home are... More than enough to convince you you don't want any more kids or any kids at all. (laughs) (laughs) And no more work from home. (laughs) Uh, No more. Yeah, I'm willing to volunteer to go to an office, actually. If somebody has a free office, I'm volunteering to come and and host them and be there as a a partner, you know? Yeah, and be a free free 3KPI data strategy. (laughs) 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 Well, I guess to that point, uh, what are the, uh, do the KPIs vary per different company and industry, or do you just have like your three KPIs, like medicine and bread? So it's defined by the company itself and by the goals of what they wish to achieve, right? So you cannot just say there is one through North and Star that can tell you where you need to go. It's either Mm -hmm. a combination of many small events that are accumulated into one number that giving you the right direction, or it's three KPIs that are being cut based on the goal. So if it's revenue, if it's growing of users, if it's actually figuring out what is working or not, if you're just testing a a product. So one very interesting project I was working on was somebody who built apps just to check features. So he was driving traffic into this app just to see which feature is working or not and then go and sell it to bigger companies. And there was no one number, right? You just needed to figure out what is working and what not. Now, what's interesting about you is that for a data guy, you would expect you to be all about the spreadsheets or the automation or stuff like that. But it's like one interesting thing when we talk is you are really harping on, especially lately, about user-centric approaches to growth and marketing as opposed to like someone would expect, oh, he's just going to look at the data. Yeah, l- let's let's put it into reality, right? So at the end of the day, all of what we do is focused on a user. There is a user that comes, we need to create an experience for him. If you're not going to create the right experience, he's not going to come back. 
And one of the biggest issues of this industry is the churn rate that most companies have. They're losing a lot of users. And it's not if I'm going to have better data and I'm going to know better my ROI, you're not going to do any good for the user. You're not going to improve his experience because, okay, great. So you're retaining an investment. He's booking a service. What does it mean? Which features did he like or not? What is actually not working for him? And this is when we're looking at what the user is interested in. So the user-centric approach. Then we start to discover things that were not there before. And this is why also talking about less KPIs, listen, watch, understand what the user want, and then build up your KPIs based on that. Are you going to change uh, any of the ways you analyze and crush data based on the IDFA deprecation that happened a few weeks ago? The reality is that we cannot change much in, in what Apple are doing. There is no chance to change it. We need just to work now around it. And the only yeah. way to work around it is actually understanding how people are using the service and how you can improve it. So it's on the platform. You ignore whatever happened before that. You can change creatives. You can test different approaches, but it should be based on what you set up in advance. So when you when we're talking about it, you're looking at what is working or not, which features are working or not on your app. And based on it, cut down your advertisement, create your campaigns, build up your creatives and see which one is actually working or not. But you won't be able anymore to really understand the attribution, which I don't think is actually important. It was never important. It's just something that we got used because it was easy. It was simple. But the reality is that the user is the most important when he arrived. And I think that I, I was writing about it on, on LinkedIn, and I think, Louis, we also talked about it. There is a certain point where marketeers just sending money to Facebook, Google, Outbreak, whatever, they, whatever service they're using, and they're not really getting the right users for them because they're looking at, okay, what is my ROI or what is my ROS or what is whatever, which are very generic KPIs at the end of the day. And once you're looking at the user and you're understanding how he acts, you know also what you need to communicate to him. What is he missing or what he doesn't like? Like if you're showing him in your advertisement a game A, but when he arrives, it's completely different game. How do you think he's going to feel about it? Hmm. What are I think the we've chances? all seen those ads. <laughs> exactly. And this is exactly the point because you sold him a story and when he arrived finally, he didn't find what he was searching for. He saw something completely different in the ad. And this is where we start. We need to start connecting basically the features to the users we're trying to bring. That's the only way that it's going to work out at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think we're talking about like a particular game that, you know, there's like a lot of keys and other things that they do in their game. And then when you actually download the app and start playing it, it's literally completely the opposite game. And I would think, well, if this is what you're advertising, one, it's saying you don't have faith that your actual game experience is going to be strong enough to pull them in. Mm -hmm. And two, well, why not just create that game if that's the game you're advertising? <laughs> exactly the point. You brought them and you, you lost them. I don't know what is the churn rate of such a thing, but I'm guessing it's very high. You cannot sell one experience and giving something else. It's like saying that you have a health app that's going to help you figure out what diseases you have. And when somebody arrives, the only thing you get, there is a stupid boot that's going to tell him, you are sick, go to see the doctor. That is not why somebody came into your app, right? 
they wanted to get an answer. This is what you were selling them, actually, that you're going to give them the answer for. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is this is where we lost the user. So, for example, if you would have talked to Lior five years ago, he would have tell you the most important and thing is to understand. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we, we, we actually did. But I was talking more about ROI. I was talking more about revenues. I was talking more about, okay, let's see if there is any potential for the profit. But I think that as I grew up, I also understood that I can produce growth. I can bring revenues. But the question is really if the users going to come back and believe in the app or not. Will they become super spreaders? Will they go around and actually talk about it to people? Or it's just going to be a waste of time. And, and I think that this is the line that now should be much more in focus than anything else. Because at the end of the day, anyway, you're going to give your money to Facebook. They're going to do the advertisement. <laughs> there, there is no work around it, right? So at least try to maximize it based on the features that you're offering and giving them the right approach. And this is this is what I'm very, very focused right now on. Yeah, because I noticed like way back in the day, there were things like clickbait ads that they've been around forever, right? Mm-hmm. And the way I also ran a, a marketing agency. So the one that I was, the way I'll explain it to like some clients and things like that back in the day is like um, marketing and advertising is basically a story. And the more that a user or a customer or a potential customer has to think about it and have any questions, then the less likely they are to convert into giving you money. Mm -hmm. So when you see an ad on the first spot, then you click and go to the next page or the next or landing page or go to the app store page or whatever is your next step. If that doesn't tell the same story, show the same features, have the same type of branding, language, etc., now the user starts to get confused. Now, if you totally clickbait them, then their, their conversion rates are going to be ridiculously low. So I think like the important thing is like you're talking about the in-app experience and the in-app values of, of the app itself to put those more into the marketing and the advertising. And I think that's the way to go because when they connect the dots when they see proposition a and then every step along the way they see the same story the same messaging then they are more likely to to convert and when you switch things up on them then that's when they're more likely to bail correct and if you think about these three kpis we're talking about what do they reflect to you if you're just looking at sessions and revenues comparing to something that is very specific for an event that you wanted to create with the user that you wanted to create it some experience, the golden experience that you wanted to make him do comparing to just another event or just another clip. There are points in an app life that they need to realize that just bringing user in is not enough. Maybe a lot of investors, this is what they're searching for, but just from bringing user in without finding the way to monetize them on the one side and keep them as a, a loyal users will not work. It's just not going to work. The app is going to fail. Mm-hmm. There are big apps like, you know, Candy Crush. They survived with the game because they had a mass of users. But they're also dropping. Facebook is dropping as well. They're losing users every day because the experience at some point became so boring, people don't want to see it anymore. And the more they're trying to innovate, they're just copycatting. And then you again, you're losing users because why should I use you? And there is Instagram that I can use and it's much better. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is, this is the points where a lot of 
companies and a lot of apps are missing. Are we actually taking it and creating this wow experience for the user? I completely agree. It's like, yeah, I mean, all those apps you mentioned is great. I I actually uh, was doing a roundtable once, like when we could do (laughs) roundtables pre-pandemic. And someone who was a marketer actually said, as long as my CAC is good, I don't care if there's fraud. And I thought that was interesting. Like that seems to make sense, right? Like, okay, if your customer acquisition costs are where in the range that you want them to be, then that means that they're monetizing at the right level for long-term, a lifetime value. So it kind of makes sense. Like these are expected. But what if it did matter to you? Like, you know, what if it did matter? Okay, well, maybe we should augment this and we should increase it. Or maybe I think too many paid UA people are so focused on bringing in users that uh, they should be talking to the the revenue side of it and see, are we bringing in the right users in? Is the user experience, uh, are we onboarding them correctly? I think that's kind of like a missing link in the funnel. Because a lot of people yep. forget that a bad onboarding process can bleed out a lot of users, which really means bleeding out money. Yeah. Think about GDPR in Europe that actually now forcing users to go through so many screens to opt in, opt in to marketing, opt in for communication, opt in for tracking, opt in. You're losing the users as well at some point if you didn't do it in an efficient way, if you didn't make sure that you're streaming him quite quickly through the process. And it's it's interesting to see how the industry has changed in in the recent years since GDPR was released in Europe because also Americans have needed now to adapt because they have users in Europe. And it's changing completely the way that the UX and UI are driven and also the marketing. And the challenges has completely changed. How do I store actually European data on an American server? So I need to notify them. I need an opt-in from them. I need them to approve my terms and conditions. It's become much more complex. And the more you're exposing the user to this type of things, he starts to think. When you start to telling him that his data is being used for certain purposes of advertisement, he starts to question it. Mm-hmm. In, my, in, in, in my podcast, Mikael and I were talking about this Whenever you're sharing information with Facebook as an app, what do they actually do with your data? And one of the things that happening is that with a lot of e-commerce websites or apps is that once you click on a product and it's being sent to Facebook that you clicked on white sneakers from Converse or from whatever brand, they're already checking if you converted or not. If you didn't convert, then they're going to offer you other apps or other shops that can offer you the same product either for cheaper or for faster delivery because they have all of this data already in their storage. And here again, you lost the user basically without even understanding that you lost him. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually the loss of IDFA, the meaning that so many users are not going to share this information anymore, you won't be able to attribute them actually going to increase the conversion of your app because they're going to be exposed to less competition when the next time they're going to go into the field of Facebook, when the next time they're going to search on Google for the Google shopping. Mm-hmm. And this is something that a lot of people miss looking at. This is the most important part, actually, if you think about it. Yeah, that's the flip side of it all. Like the the company you're paying to get you leads is also in some way working against you if you didn't succeed in that first attempt. Yeah. There is always a penalty. Yeah. 
And then, uh, so we've been talking nerdy this whole time. So that takes care of our talking nerdy part. But, <laughs> but Lior, we want to learn more about you. So I know it's like everyone's been locked up, especially in Europe, for quite a long time. And it's like we all can't wait to start traveling again en masse. So when you get to travel again, if you could go anywhere and like kids and jobs and money and responsibilities aren't aren't an obstacle. It's what, a fantasy what, vacation. <laughs> yeah, where would you love to go? If I be honest, yeah. Israel, Jerusalem. I am missing the city horribly. Mm-hmm. And I cannot even explain how bad it is. I started to dream about it, walking in the streets, stopping in the hummus shops around the old city. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's the things that, the small things that bring you joy and you don't understand until you're losing them. Yeah. And this, since last year, basically, I haven't traveled. I think I haven't traveled since even 2019, yeah, mid-19. And suddenly you, you, I think about it, it's like, damn, I want to get on an airplane and I don't care. I want to fly to Israel. I want to go to Jerusalem. I want to go and eat hummus there. And I want to relax a bit. And I don't care about anything else. <laughs> I don't want to do Spain in the sun. I don't want to go to the beaches of Ibiza. I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to go there and sit there and, and enjoy some some nice plate of hummus. Mm-hmm. You know, you love hummus so much. I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's a little old, but you can't, you don't mess with the Zohan. Have you seen of that? Course. Of the Adam course. Sandler movie? Where everything in his character is like, the hummus, the hummus. <laughs> <laughs> Snickers in hummus, you don't know it. It's working perfectly fine. Yeah, and and data. <laughs> so, so if you could go to a place that you've never been before, though, uh, what would be first on your list for like a new experience? For a new experience, I would say I will really, really love to travel to uh, uh, Singapore. I heard a lot of good stuff about there, and I would really, really like to go there. Yeah, I would go Singapore, most likely. That's my first option. I think it's a great option because um, <laughs> we have Upgrowth Summit Singapore every year. Oh, shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, sure. Definitely shameless. Yeah. So this way uh, you can you can get out there. You can knock that off your bucket list. And now you have an excuse to travel because, oh, it's for work, right? Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Let's close it. Yes. Come on. Lior, right. you're one of those people that has spoken on so many of our events that you should at this point just collect all of the different events like Pokemon. <laughs> just yeah. go to all of our things. And eventually <laughs> when we have uh, App Growth Summit Antarctica, you have to be there. Oh, if, if I will we're do having, that. If we're having the event, it has to be Lior feeding hummus to penguins. Uh, That's <laughs> a great idea, guys. <laughs> there you go. I'm glad everyone has that image in their head. <laughs> Are you giving yeah, themes for each event that you're going to? I think you st- you need to start doing that, you know? Do what? A theme? Like a pin, you know? That you yeah, can have put people on your, collect oh, yeah, them yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have the badges. We have the badges that you get. You can mm-hmm. save those, the conference badges. It's yeah. A giant pin. That would be great. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> if anyone wants pins at our events, let us know and we will give you the pins. Now that... But, <laughs> That is going to be someone who is like really dedicated or just like probably works for one of our biggest sponsors because (laughs) (laughs) who else is going to be traveling the world with us? Imagine. (laughs) That'd be hilarious. That's a great motivation for people, you know, do them all, arrive to all of them. 
That's true. Maybe there's something they can get, like a special prize. Actually, there you go. If you come to all of our events, you get a free ticket to the AGS Antarctica Mastermind Workshops. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, there we and, go. <laughs> and then that's your final one. And then there is where you get your prize of mm-hmm. penguin hummus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the ultimate badge of honor for an upgrowth expert. Actually, penguin hum- hummus sounded like you make the hummus from the penguin. <laughs> <gasps> no! <laughs> Don't kill the penguins, eh? <laughs> I wonder if anyone's ever eaten penguin. No, but you know that I'm using their shit for uh, fertilizing the garden. You are? Penguin shit? Like, legit? Yeah, yeah it's a legit thing. Is that a real, it's, th- it's like, really? Boosting, <laughs> it's boosting the tomatoes, guys. It's boosting so the tomatoes. You, you don't use, like, cow... <laughs> it's not like cows or horses or no, like it's no, actual no. penguin I, I just want to know how they collect it like is there somebody that's based in Antarctica that just goes around <laughs> bagging <laughs> bagging I this for fertilizer <laughs> yeah some disgruntled person is like FML uh, following around <laughs> penguins waiting for some poop oh it's my gosh what? Leor needs to grow the best tomatoes. We need this penguin poop ASAP. <laughs> exactly. They, they place an order. But I think it's coming from zoos, actually. So a lot of zoos have penguins. And I think uh, they're just collecting the shit. And that's, that's not authentic. Exactly. It's not the authentic, like, artisan experience. <laughs> like, if you're going to commit to penguin crap, you have to commit all the way. It's not non-GMO. It's it not- has to be, like, fair trade, naturally sourced. <laughs> Like Organic when you get the baggie. <laughs> exactly, right? Okay, Lior. So now when I talk to you on Skype, now you're just getting the penguin icon the whole time. It used to be the monkey. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it used to be the monkey all the time, the dancing monkey. Um, but yeah. now you're getting the penguin. So You're changing? Okay. I will take the penguin. I don't care. It's good. I think we'll have to, we, we can't retire the monkey, though. The monkey has to live on. He needs a job, too, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's his job. He's the one harvesting the yeah. penguin crap for fertilizer. That's why he's so happy all the time. There you go. Oh, I think it, we babe. figured it out. <laughs> what is your guilty pleasure snack, food, or drink? And hummus does not count. It doesn't count. That's not a guilty pleasure. That's guilty an outright pleasure for you. <laughs> so I'm going I'm gonna to shock everybody, but if it will be something, it will be Dr. Pepper. I love Dr. Pepper. That's my favorite. A lot of people hate it. I don't know why. They're saying that it's too sweet. Those people are weird. (laughs) You know, this is from the days I used to live in the States, right? So I I met for the first time in my life Dr. Pepper when I went to Subway. And I was so idiot in speaking English. I had very, very basic English. When I arrived to the U.S., I think for the first time I was 17, 18. And I was just pointing and stuff. And one day I pointed and she just like realized that I want Dr. Pepper. I didn't even know what I'm getting. I was like, damn, this is a good drink. And I didn't know how to ask it for the next couple of weeks before I realized what I was drinking because I kept then testing all of them until I figured out which one it was. Yeah. <laughs> and you and you didn't see the, like the purple maroon label <laughs> and just say, no, there's a new one. <laughs> No, well, there there are nowadays. Yeah, there's like they have like the vanilla, right? Yeah, the vanilla is not good. The vanilla is not not as good as the yeah. The original is the original, and it cannot be beat. 
Mm-hmm. And now that I moved here to Austin, like I think Dr. Pepper is from like Dallas or something. So like there's no shortage of Dr. Pepper. Whereas like when I was living in Los Angeles, they would have knockoffs like Mr. Pibb. And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, Dr. Pepper. They're like, <laughs> That's oh. That's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, Mr. Pibb, okay. I'm like, fine. You know, whatever. Mr. Pibb doesn't have a PhD. <laughs> That's, he's, just, he's just a mister, you know? <laughs> It's like, I don't want the mister. I want the doctor to diagnose my thirst. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So how do you get, can you get Dr. Pepper in Berlin? Yeah, actually we do, but it's coming from the UK. It's completely different because of, <gasps> uh, of course, ingredients, you know, difference between uh, Europe and US. You like a lot of chemicals. We not. <laughs> <laughs> Amount of sugars are different. So we have less sugars than, than in the US. Uh, and I always compare it like, you know, even if you're eating at McDonald's uh, a, a simple Macfish, which it's just a fish, right? It's still going to taste different between the U.S. And, and Europe just from the fact that they're using different cheese. Because in the U.S., the cheese is with so many chemicals and ours is a very bland one, very simple. Yeah. I noticed when I was there for many app growth summits. Uh, I would stay at the, I said this on another podcast, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, the Radisson Blue, and it was like the best buffets I've ever had. And it was just probably a normal buffet for you guys. But, and then down <laughs> on Karl Liebigstrasse, we, there's like this really great pretzel store right next to the, the TV tower. And I was like, whoa, everything is just tastes so fresh here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's how we roll, you know, here in Europe. That's a beauty. <laughs> so I can't imagine what Lior's tomato gardens uh, <laughs> taste like. Penguin oh. fertilized tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. It's I changing mean, hang- the taste. It's improving it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, we'll find out. So there you go. The next episode, we're all going to be in Lior's garden eating penguin poop tomatoes and hummus. No. Boom. Done deal. <laughs> Sounds like Dandy. a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so on that note, I guess uh, we've gone down the road to finish. <laughs> Go down the road to ruin. <laughs> so, Lior, thank you very much for joining us. It's a pleasure, as always, to hang out with you. And Kailani's going to close out. Yeah, closing out with a dad joke. Now, Lior, you had a pretty good one. I'm not sure if you remember. Do you remember what your dad joke was? No, I don't remember already. <gasps> About sprinters? I'm I'm old. You see, I don't remember already. Oh my goodness! I don't know. Okay, Okay. I have kids. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you can get by by forgetting all the things that they do. (laughs) All right. Well, yours was great. It gave me a good giggle. Um, You said, "What do sprinters eat before a race? Nothing. They fast." (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) It was. It was. I think someone else fill, filled out uh, his pre-interview oh form. Oh my gosh, he has no, no, no recollection. No, 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 no. It, it, was, it was me. It was a long time ago, I think. You know, that's yeah, a problem because when you have yeah, kids at home, when you, have, when you have kids at home, last week is like last year. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed it, but it's basically every day is something new. You can, I, People talking to me about conversations ahead and I was like, I don't even remember that. If I don't have it in my notes, it never happened. Very simple. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that was a pretty good one. I am the self-proclaimed mother of dad jokes. I love a good dad joke. 
But if you are looking for a side gig, Lior, we should combine your love of hummus with my love of true crime. I'm not sure if you knew, oh. but I am obsessed with true crime. And the two of us can start investigating homicides. Oppa! Like there, you go. there you oh. go. <laughs> she's got the chutzpah, not the chutzpah. The chutzpah. <laughs> yeah, she's got the chutzpah, not chutzpah. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. All right, well, in that case... Someone who has the chutzpah and the chutzpah is Lior Barak. <laughs> so I know to pronounce them both correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I, uh, you want to tell us how it's properly pronounced, the two different it's, versions of chutzpah? It's chutz, chutzpah and chutzpah. Yes. It's a <laughs> you, need to, <laughs> you need to bring everything up, you know? <laughs> the chutzpah. There you go. <laughs> you can now scream it at people at Austin if you mm-hmm. want to. <laughs> yeah, so if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way? Is it through a website, obviously your podcast? Plug everything. Plug everything. Except your email. Except of the email. Email I'm trying to keep for myself, although I'm getting a lot of spam there anyway. But LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. Twitter, I'm quite active lately. I don't know why, what happened to me. I think it's... It's the fact that I'm awake for strange hours of the day, like 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., trying to cope with a kid that is not really coping. So you can find me there in different hours of the day. It's going to be super awesome, guys. And then uh, go ahead and buy off of Amazon. Data is like a plate of hummus. <laughs> there we go. Data is like a plate of hummus. Yeah. That's the book. And it's still on sale. Am I allowed to say it? <laughs> No, I'm joking. I'm joking. All right, Leo, you have a you have a beautiful afternoon, day, whatever it is <laughs> over there. <laughs> hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Thanks for taking the journey with us, and we hope you found it exactly as advertised. Where it was mostly fun and entertaining, but we didn't manage to get in a little tech talk in there as well, so you can kinda tell your managers that this was actually time spent doing work stuff. Trust me, we won't tell on you. Please subscribe so you can get notifications every time we release an episode. And please head on over to appgrowthsummit.com. Let us know what you thought. Or let us know if you'd like to be a guest in a future episode or recommend the guest that would be absolutely amazing. Please tell all your friends and colleagues about the happy hour. And be sure to have lots of laughs until the next episode.